0: my Jesus
1: Christ is the more times. of a certain that you are still in that business of doing good, healing the sick, amending destinies, fixing broken marriages and relationships. Father, do what you know how to do best. Mm -hmm. Use me as a vessel to reach your people. At the end, yours will be the praise. Ours will be the victory and satan will be defeated in the mighty name of jesus christ Amen. Amen. Oh my Claim the world of liberty to the people of God. Hallelujah. After many, 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 many hours ago, amen. I don't want to say weeks, but few moments ago, finally we are here. Um, The last time we came up live, we were able to stream live on Instagram but unable to connect to other social media platforms. But today I'm so happy that the message will be dispatched to the people of God. And I don't want you to focus on the video quality of today's message, because we want you to receive the message and discard the loops of the messenger. Amen. Amen. The looks of the messenger is just a camouflage, but I want you to focus on the message because the message is very important. Do not look, concentrate on the video quality. We made sure that we sent this message over to you. We couldn't go over to other topics. But we said you must receive this message because this message will activate a lot of things in your life. So please, I just want to let you know that uh, this is your day. Amen. Amen. This is your moment. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Barely a week now, I will be in the air to visit the people of God in Uganda. And I believe the admin has made some announcements on the social media platforms regarding the visit and uh, on our website. But I just wanna let you know, there is something important about that visit. Apart from uh, the mission trip, the free healthcare program we're gonna do on the 17th, I believe, no. Uh, I don't know what date is the Monday there. 17th should be Saturday, Sunday, on the on the nineteenth to the twentieth, we're gonna have um, mission work, free health care delivery in a district called Kad- Kadagi. Amen. Mm-hmm. Called Kadagi with the health uh, district there. So we're gonna have a free medical mission there. So Um, I believe they said it's like four hours from the city of Kampala. But on a Saturday, this is very important. There is a divine option to have a prayer on that Saturday being the 17th. The reason why I'm making this particular video is just to make sure that you are in the know. Because the last time I received this message was in 2019. The Lord gave me this message. And if you had followed me, uh, you will understand that I don't come up to tell you the Lord said when I did not hear. Because there's a distinction between tongue says the Lord and tongue says the Lord. So I don't want to be in that business of telling you the Lord said when he has not spoken. So in 2019, I... Amen. 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 <laughs> Please to the mic. Okay. Can I be heard? now? Yeah, see. Amen. Amen. So in 2019, we received, I received the same unction and I went live to make this, uh, the same broadcast to the people of God, the reason for us to pray for the nation of America, because once America is bleeding, the whole world will bleed. And uh sometimes God gives you a message without giving you details of it. So when we received that message, the instruction was to close the gathering of the people. And we did that October of 2019. And I told them something that was to happen in 2020. But I don't have details of it. But because I saw something that will cripple the economy that will create a different kind of Scenario that I haven't seen. I couldn't even explain the situation, and I told them October, end of October 2019, will be the last time we'll be meeting. So people will stay at home, and that's how we started this live stream. I said, We are gonna go live, and uh, if you want to hear the word of God, please go live because a time is coming, there will be restrictions for gathering. And everybody thought I was insane, including my beloved wife at that moment. But when it came to pass, I went. I made this announcement and it finally came to pass and uh, to God be the glory. And uh, I wanna let you know that God value his word more than what you call him. He says, heaven and earth will pass away but his word will remain forever. So whatever you call God is, is, does not equal to his word. So this, on the, 20, on the 17th of December, there will be a prayer And that prayer is for breaking of curses, breaking of different kind of curses. And uh, God instructed us to raise choice men, just the way he told Gideon in the Bible, to raise choice men, you know, to fight the Midianites. When you read the the book of Judges from verse 5, 6, and 7, you can understand this. And Gideon, God said, raise choice men. And the moment Gideon announced it, uh, Israel armies to fight the Midianites, over 32,000 soldiers came. They came for recruitment. But the Lord said, if you went for this battle with 32,000 soldiers, they would say, oh, the strength of the Israel's army gave us the victory. So God asked him, take all these men to the stream, take them to the water, to the riverside, and anyone that could lap and drink from that water, that person is the choice one. What was God trying to say? He says, any of them that could drink like a dog, you know how the dogs drink with their tongue, without using their hand or kneeling down to do it, if they could squat and lap, then there's a choice, the chosen ones. Then out of the thousands that came, only 300 choice men were selected from 32,000. So you can imagine 300 men fought a nation and defeated them. So you, there's no how they could take glory for winning the battle. It, the Lord fought for them. So the Lord said, what you are going to do, you need choice men. I need you to raise 12 choice men. Now, how are we going to raise these choice men? There was an instruction given, and those of them that volunteered, any of them that could partake in that divine instruction were part of this, uh, uh, this movement that would pray and intercede Uh, before the prayer section that will go live eventually. There are different types of curses. And sometimes people see themselves, they work so hard, they labor so hard, but at the end, there's nothing to show for it. You work so hard, you labor so hard, you are the most qualified for that job. But still, after repeated applications, nothing to show for it. There is what we call inherited curses. There's what we call generational curses. Those ones that grandfathers, forefathers passed over to, uh, to your parents and your parents passed over to you and now it's time for you to pass over to your children. On the 70s, I want you to be a guest. You don't need to be live. You don't need to be there with us to get this done. If you're privileged to be part Of this ministration on the 70th, if you're privileged by the grace of God, you will see, you will see the handsome God of Elijah in action. Amen. Amen. I'm talking of the Elijah of old. I call him handsome God of Elijah. You're going to see him in action. So I just want you, because devil doesn't want this information to get out. All of a sudden, all the equipment stopped working. So everything stopped working. I said, okay, but I'm glad that finally you are receiving this message. So on the seventh we're going to break curses, inherited curses, inflicted curses, some of you inflicted curses upon themselves, not knowing that they have inflicted it upon themselves. I shared a story the last time, something that happened. Before we go into the message proper, today's topic, we're going to be preaching on your family comfort before your ministry. But before we go into this, uh, today's message, something happened a while ago. And, uh, you know, oftentimes the Lord ask me to dedicate time to have a chit-chat with him and to be in his presence. And uh, it happened that one of those moments he asked me to do that. And being in God's presence, you have to... You you know, deny yourself a lot of things just for you to have that moment with God. And it's something that takes days, not just hours, it's days. And it happened after I went for grocery shopping. You bought food for the week. So you have enough perishable food to eat. And the Lord said, can you give me your time? I just need to have this moment with you. Can you do that? And I asked my beloved wife, I said, is it okay for you if I could do this? This is the unction the Lord had placed in my heart to have a moment with him. I don't know the direction. I don't know why, but, you know, one thing I love about my wife, it, if it is God, she doesn't want to be in the picture of denier. That thing, that excuse, that flimsy excuse someone may give, oh, because of her, I couldn't do this. She said, if it is God, so be it. And as God may have it, I went into the Lord's presence. And whenever I'm in God's presence, I always shut down every. Platform, social media platform. I switched off my phone, I deactivated a lot of things, and I spent quiet time with the Lord. And it happened that uh, it's a seven day something. Then, after seven days, the Lord extended it. I mean, when you're in God's presence, I mean, you just want to remain there. And then it got to a point, I started hearing strange voices. Unknown to me, an evil man had gone. To lay a complaint back home, my native country. The audience says that the volume is not clear. The audience. The what? The volume is not clear. The volume is not okay. The audience. So I wouldn't know what's going on with the audio. I I saw you did something there. Maybe that was why because Facebook people have already indicated it was audible. So whatever you did, please reverse it. Well, I Please. Yes. Nothing. <laughs> Amen. 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 Can you put the volume here and see what's going on there? That's what happens when you're alive. Amen. Yeah, can you just see? No, no, no. The volume, the volume on okay. the side. Okay. Hello? The voice is not, the police is not. It's okay. I don't want any interruption. Again, please. Okay. You are just muted. Amen. Amen, amen. Please, I don't want... This is life. So once you take me out of that realm, getting back, I might miss that track. Okay. Okay. So someone just went and uh, gave a warning um, back from an evil man, and I don't worship her for some reason. He just went and you know and uh, threatened that he was going to summon. Himself, not me, before his idol, and he gave warning if I failed to contact him on a certain in a week's time, that he was going to send his idol to go after me. And uh, what that means is, whenever this makes such threat, it means that is death. So everybody, we are panicking that, wow, this man had made this proclamation, there is trouble, somebody's gonna die, they're gonna kill uh, their brother, they're gonna do this. A, everybody were panicking. And they told him man, we've tried to contact him, but for some reasons, no means of communication. They went all platforms to reach me, nobody could. And I was in God's presence and I began to hear, at some point I began to hear some strange voices and I asked if I was being called. I could remember at that point i answered, no, nobody nobody called you. I know the voice of my wife. I understand the voice of my mentees or anyone around me or my children. And I know the voice of God. It's very important for you to know these three things. The voice of God, the voice of man, and the voice of the devil. Because that's why we call it familiar spirit. Familiar spirit in the sense that The only thing that is very close to the voice of God is the voice of man. And because devil cannot imitate God, so devil imitates man. So when devil fails, understanding that man sounds like his father, devil speaks in form of man. And if you don't listen attentively, that's why when Samuel had the voice of God, he ran to Ella because God was sounding like his servant, Ella. So at that moment, I knew, having the spirit of the Simon, that this was not God. So I couldn't have asked God to speak for me to hear. I felt it was somebody Call a member of my family, but I did not respond. I had to ask, did somebody call me? They said, no, I went back to my chambers and I began to seek the presence of the Lord. But the voice kept coming like an invocation, like sort of an incantation, some, as if someone was trying to invoke a spirit out of me. And I said, "Being in the presence of the Lord, the Lord did not reveal anything to me. I couldn't, I couldn't get around. I couldn't feel anything. But I knew somebody was playing pranks. And I said to the Lord, in the name of Jesus, I send. I release the east wind of the Holy Spirit. Go and defend me wherever I'm being summoned at this moment in Jesus' name. That was all I said. And after that moment with the Lord, I just got back. Guess what happened? Now, the evil person sent his idol and the idol went back and killed him. The idol he sent went back, killed him, and killed members of the family that encouraged and supported him to do so. Listen to me. That man inherited a curse, a divine curse, unknown to me, but he touched not something, he touched something he was not meant to touch. He touched something that he was not meant to touch. When God says, touch not my anointed, And do the prophets know how? God wasn't telling you not to criticize me. God wasn't telling you not to give me a constructive criticism. But when He says, touch not, when He warned the devil, go after Job, but do not touch the heart. There is a place that you are not meant to touch because the consequences is disastrous. And that man went too far. Sometimes people forget to know the identity of God. God is the deity of all deities. God is the deity of all deities. So I don't understand. When people say they will report to their deity, everybody will start panicking. The Bible says to those that know their God are like Mount Zion that cannot be shaken. So I don't know where they have taken your pictures to. I don't know the shrine they have taken your family. I don't know the the, the, the oath your forefathers took that made this generational curse to be present even till now in your household. By the reason of their anointing, on the 17th of December, the yoke must be broken. Listen, Amen. distance is not a barrier for the move of God. I've never seen distance as a barrier. When God speaks, captivity changes. So on the 17th, we are going to hear the voice of the Lord. And wherever you are, every hand that has held you captive, you work so hard but you have nothing to show for it. You work so hard, so if you to see the result, you're hearing Go and commit suicide by the reason of the anointing. I speak prophetically to you on the 17th, that yoke will be broken and you'll be free in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. It's very important you understand this, child of God. I've seen people they pray so hard. I have seen people they fast so hard, but still, there is a hand holding them backwards because you need a higher authority to speak over your life. You need a higher authority to speak over your life. So that day, because it's a divine unction, I can speak to you knowing that it's heard already. What we are going to do on 17th is just a formality. So on the 17th, make it a day. Why do I say 17th? Obedience is better than sacrifice. Not I say we can't just speak today, but because it's an unction, we have to respect it because obedience is better than sacrifice. So I'm going to dive into today's message. Your ministry, your family comes before your ministry. And uh, I'm very happy to let you know that I'm a little bit under the weather. So in case if I sneeze, don't think I spoke in tongues. Just know that I sneezed. Amen. Amen. (laughs) So don't think. In case if you're listening to me from Spotify, just let you know it was a sneeze. It wasn't a prayer topic. So today's message, your family is more important than your ministry because I've heard some people, some Bible scholars debate about this, say, why must you put your family ahead of your ministry? But what they don't understand is that without your family, there is no ministry. What they fail to understand is that you have to pastor your family first before pastoring a congregation. What they fail to understand is that God is a family man. That was why when Jesus was born, he waited until that point in time because the time came that Herod wanted to kill every male child in, in his days, but his parents had to elope him to Egypt because family first. They had to mold him into the family system. They, they had to make him understand, you know, as a child, pamper him and, and guide him to us, his ministration, but in, very indirectly, Jesus was ministering to them. Jesus had to unite his family first, because Jesus knew what he was going to face, you know, in a few years. So Jesus was indirectly spreading love. If not, tell me, how come the Savior of the world ran away from his country and went to the Arab nations just to seek refuge? What message was Jesus trying to convey? He did not go to to. Uh, um, a Christian um, dominated nation. He did not go to uh, any nation practicing Judaism at that time, but he went to Arab nation. So what message was Jesus trying to to convey? Jesus was trying to let you know whether you're a Muslim or a Christian you are one family under God. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. So Jesus was pastoring his family first. After pastoring the family, spreading that love Jesus had to come and pastor the multitudes. He had to pastor the multitudes because he has done the needful. But sometimes people make this argument. They try to quote Luke fourteen. Can I have this slide, please? Okay. They try to quote Luke fourteen. You know, because Jesus spoke directly from Luke fourteen. I had to print this out and make it bold. Uh, so Jesus was speaking in Luke fourteen, chapter chapter fourteen, verse twenty six, and. Uh, Jesus said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Can you understand? Jesus said, if you do not hate your father, hate your mother, hate your children, hate your wife, even yourself, you cannot be my disciple. Now, sometimes... We read the gospel out of context. How could Jesus tell you this? If you do not hate your father, hate your parents, hate your wife, your better half, hate your children, even your own life, you can't be my disciple. In the actual sense, what then are you going to offer if you hate yourself because you're suicidal? Anybody that hates himself is a risk to the society. Let's take you to John. Because one thing I love about Jesus, he made a disclaimer. When you read Matthew, when you read from Matthew 13, Jesus spoke in parables. Majority of his teaching were in parables because they lacked the understanding. They decide, the people at that moment, they lacked the understanding. How come they lacked the understanding? Because the Holy Spirit is the interpreter of the gospel. When we hear the word of God, it's the Holy Spirit that gives us the understanding. But at that moment, there was no Holy Spirit. So they needed, they needed a greater authority to put it to the understanding. And Jesus saying, don't give a dog food that is holy. So he had to speak to them in parables. What Jesus was telling you, you know how much you love, your children loves you. You know how much you love your wife. You know how much you love yourself. Jesus is telling you, if you don't love me as much as you love your parents, if you don't love me as much as you love your wife, if you don't love me as much as you love your husband, if you don't don't love me as much as you love yourself, you cannot be my disciple. That's what Jesus was trying to illustrate. Jesus was trying to tell them, you have to love me jealously. Love me jealously. You know, how you protect your wife, how you protect your husband, how you protect your children. But in case you don't have a wife, you don't have, a, you don't have maybe an orphan, then he's telling you loving yourself. If you don't love yourself, you have nothing to offer. That is the interpretation of it. Now, Jesus said in John chapter 14, when you read John chapter 14 from verse 12 to 14, so, rather, John chapter 16, from verse 12 to 14. Now, see what Jesus says in verse 12. He said, after telling them all these things, he said in Luke, after telling them a lot of things, he said from Matthew to Just name It Now, Jesus told them in John chapter 16, verse 12, he says, I have, I still have many things to say to you, that you cannot bear them now says, I have many things to tell you that you cannot understand it now. Then in verse 13, he says, however, when the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. Now, you can see, he said, I have many things to tell you, but I won't tell you now because there is no Holy Spirit to give you the understanding, to give you the direct interpretation that you need. He said, you wait. When that spirit of truth comes, I am going to interpret all these things through him. That's why I'm sitting before you and I'm telling you because of the spirit of truth. That's why I'm not going to hate my parents, hate my wife, hate my children and myself just to be a disciple of Christ because there is Holy Spirit. That interprets the scripture to my understanding of it. Now, verse verse fourteen, he says, "He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you." Now, the Holy Spirit is not in your life to glorify Himself. The Holy Spirit is not in your life to take glory, but When you give God glory, the Holy Spirit is like the mailman. It's like the FedEx, the UPS, the courier delivery that takes your supplications to God, that takes your thanksgiving to God, that takes your praises to God. When you're saying, thank you, Jesus, the Holy Spirit will go and say, Jesus, he's thanking you. He's thanking you. Hey, Timothy is thanking you. Hey, Anthony is thanking you. Stephen is thanking you. That's the dog of the Holy Spirit. And when Jesus will speak to the Holy Spirit, tell him he is blessed, the Holy Spirit will come back to you and minister to you. Your father said, I should tell you, you are blessed. Because he is the middleman. he is the career man that takes that message. It's like when you love a beautiful love letter, when you write a beautiful love letter to to your spouse, and you go to the post office and you say, hey, I want this to be express delivery. That's what the Holy Spirit does. That's why we have the Holy Spirit. To be that express delivery courier man to heaven and on earth. And he dwells in you, not in any structural building, but inside of you. So you cannot be a pastor, pastoring a congregation, without pastoring your family. Your family comes first. Because I tell people, listen, the reason why I look happy is because I have a happy wife at home. A happy wife, a beautiful marriage. That is it. When your spouse is happy, when your wife in particular is happy, the house is at peace. The children are behaving well and you can serve God. You can preach the gospel. But when you preach the gospel before the cameras, you're a holy man, you speak in tongues, you pray, you prophesy, but back home, you you are like Mike Tyson. you speak everybody panics because you have spoken if anybody responds you release a blow you give the person a punch then there is no church for you to pastor because it starts from your home the ministry starts from your home now i'm gonna tell you the criterias for you to know if you accord. Because when you apply for a job, there, is, there are criterias for those jobs. You don't just apply for a job and you say, hey, I want to be a pastor without checking those dots. You don't just apply for a job and say, hey, I want to be a driver because there are jo- dots. You must have a driving license. You must have no criminal record. You, are, you can't be a drunk to drive. You can't be a druggy to drive, you know, especially when you are driving humans, even animals. You don't. You have some... Checklists for you to meet those times and conditions. That's the same thing when you want to be a pastor, when you want to be an overseer of the church, when you want to be a disciple of Christ. There are times and conditions, and I'm going to show you because it's in the Bible. For whatever we are reading is from the Bible, just for you to understand. Now, First Timothy, First Timothy chapter 3, I'm going to read from verse 1 to 7, and this will be the last Um, um, scriptural chapter I'm going to read out. Uh, So, 1 Timothy chapter 3 from verse 1 to 7, qualifications for being a pastor. That's the headline. Qualifications for being a pastor. Number one, it says, the saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of a pastor or overseer, he desires a noble task. So you have to be trustworthy. That's number one. Therefore, an overseer, that's a pastor, must be above reproach. The husband of one wife. I know many people can not boast of this. The husband of... Let me pause here a little. When it says husband of one wife, I mean legally married spouse, not concubines. Because a lot of pastors have defied their body in the church. They have what they call... I don't know if it's... okay for me to use this tab you know um, side can somebody help me to complete it side cheeks okay good amen I didn't say that <laughs> you know so many of them have a lot of them choristers a lot of them pastors when they see beautiful sisters in the church those beautiful ones are for the pastors some pastors I'm not saying I'm not generalizing this but this is what is happening In the body of Christ, many pastors operate on a gift. When they come, they shout, they shout. They will bind the devil. They said they can fight the devil, but they cannot fight a tie of a woman. A tie, once they see a tie of a woman, they lose that anointing. What a shame. A pastor will boast, I will deal with this demon. Imagine if I was under a tie of a woman at the time the man summoned, so-called sort of deity, what would have happened? What would have happened? So a lot of pastors have ceremonial wives, and their wives are just, are just first ladies, ceremonial first ladies in the church. When they want to do, they know who they know who the real woman is. And that's what he's saying here. You must have one wife, not just legally one wife, in all ramification, one wife that you respect, one wife that you honor. I tell people, you can insult me, you can abuse me, but you dare not. You dare not speak ill of my beloved wife. You dare not. It's a no-go area. And I tell you, if you want to be in the good books, please make sure my wife loves you. Not just about me. I'm telling every man, if you want to have a relationship, maybe the husband is your best friend. When there is a family issue, please, be neutral. If you can't be neutral, support the woman. You know why? Because men are ceremonial heads. Once they reconcile, the husband and wife reconcile, the woman will give the man times and conditions. You see, that your friend that talks too much, that your friend that always poked, nose that your friend that was meditating in our affairs, nobody called him, who made him a judge, I don't want to see him again. You have lost it. The man at that moment will start avoiding you because the actual head of the house has spoken. Amen. Men are the head, but woman is the neck. And without the neck, the head can't function. That's why I call us ceremonial head. Because without the head, this, without the neck, the head has no value. So be very, very careful. Some of you would love their pastors and they don't give respect to the pastor's wife. That's how you know who is a true servant of God. The one that listens to the wife. So don't just pay homage. That's why when Abraham made that silly mistake, even though Sarah calls, called him Lord, the moment Sarah said, send her away, Hey guy, away, Abraham had no choice but to do the needful. The woman has spoken. If Abraham has said, send her away, would said, like, no, it would not happen. So as it was in the beginning, so it is. So be very, 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 very careful. Wisdom is profitable to the wise. Now the Bible says, therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife. Sober minded, self controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. These are the conditions for you to be a pastor. I'm reading from the scriptures. Now, verse 3 says, not a drunkard, not a violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. I can tell you for free that the spirit of Mammon has taken over most of the churches. We have churches these days that we don't appreciate hard work. You see children who go to school and graduate with first class, nobody recognizes them anymore. But once you make money, any form of money, as long as you have money, you can donate a a, a good sum of money to the church. You have the front row seat. Pastors don't appreciate hard work. They don't encourage good grades in schools anymore. They don't encourage successful leaders anymore, but they encourage those that buy their conscience with money. So the spirit of mammon has overtaken the church just as the spirit of world, spirit of halotry has infuriated the church. So he says, verse four, he must manage his own household wealth. Now you can see where it comes. He says, he must manage his own household wealth with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. Now, this is where Eli failed. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you there later. He says, keeping his children submissive, verse 5. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? I didn't say this. I didn't write this. If you could not take care of your home, how could you take care of... God's church. Now, verse 6 says he must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. Hallelujah. Amen. The one that got me, he said, you must be a good manager of your home, not a newcomer. Because I have seen people, young men now, these days that once they could pray and you know do one or two things, they want to open a church. There is a distinction, difference, opening a church and uh, and uh, and uh, evangel- uh, being an evangelist. If you're an evangelist, you are under a pastor. You can go around and preach the gospel, but on a Sunday you are under a pastor. You go to the church and worship, but identify yourself with the church. You don't just break out. There's a reason why God kept you in that church. For you to help the pastor to grow the church. Not for you. I've been to churches. I helped the pastors to grow. Those of them that want to hear the truth. Many pastors, when you tell them the truth, they'll stop communicating with you because they don't want to hear the truth. And I ask myself, what is your end? Is it to go to heaven or for you to go to hell? If I can't tell you the truth, when on the last day, God will ask me, you... Not, you knew this man, but why didn't you tell him the truth? So i rather you hate me here and love me then for telling you the truth. So a lot of people, why do you want to open a church? When you could use your gift to grow the church that your pastor is pastoring, that you just want to open because you gave a word of prophecy, a word of knowledge, and it came to pass, you thought, oh yeah, you can break out of that church and start. As it was in the days of Eli, when the word of God was so rare. That's what the Bible meant there. He says you have to manage your home. If you could not manage your home, how come you want to be a pastor to manage your congregation? In the days of Eli, Eli was a high priest, officiated taking care of Shiloh. During his time, Eli was not the only priest, but he was the only high priest. We had Elkanah, husband to Hannah at that moment. But the word of God was so rare because Eli failed in his parental responsibility. He was so weak. He wasn't there for his family. He was always in the church. Always in the church. Never took care of the the family. He was always in the church. Always. Fasting here, doing this, doing that. I shared a testimony the last time we preached. Some time ago, I believe it was during the COVID era, and I had this young lady that called me, and the Lord gave me a message. I told this young lady. I was praying for her family. I'm not going to mention names in respect to the the, uh, people involved, but I'm going to share this message just for you to understand that devil is the accuser of the brethren. Any slightest loophole devil will go after you. I tell people the riskiest job is the job of a pastor. When I mean a pastor, I mean in all ramifications. Either you are an evangelist or an apostle, you are a pastor in some sense. So it is risky. If you are in the military, you know your enemies, you know your targets. If you want to release the gun, you want to release the bullet, you know whom you are targeting. But when you are a pastor, You don't know your enemies, you don't see them because the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against spiritual wickedness. In the high places, in the high places, in the high places, in the heavenly places, we wrestle against them. That's why it says, therefore, put on the whole armor of God at all times, not few, put on the whole armor of God. So I can't be doing this If I'm living a thick lifestyle, I can't, because I'm exposing myself to danger. You have to put on the whole armor of God, not by sight, because I, I enjoy looking good, amen? Amen. I love looking good. I love it. Beauty never goes out of fashion. Begs, knowing in your heart of hearts that you are peace with God, Because what you wrestle is not flesh. You don't know where the bullet is coming. And if they can't get you, they go for something that you love most. So you have to be careful. So that day, because this family is so there to me, I love the pastor, I love the family, I love all of them. And each time I pray for people that I know, whether you are blood related or not, I call you my family and I pray. And one day I was praying and God gave me this revelation. And he says, I said, no, this can't happen. He says, if this must stop. Because he has neglected his family. And God was so angry. Even though he was doing the work, even though he was going to places preaching, doing a lot of things, but God was very upset. I'm not going to go into details. Because I told him some of them directly, which I told him Directly. But God said, "The wife has been exposed, and actually, this is Tuesday, right?" He says, "If a prayer is not done on Tuesday, on Thursday, somebody's gonna die." I said, "No, this can't happen. What will happen?" So then, you have to tear her seed, his seed rather, tear her daughter, She must call the father and pray for the father and pray for the father and the mother and she must speak prophetically. So when I call the young lady and say, hey, this is what the Lord said, if you don't, he says, so say, anyhow, no, I can't because the father is such such a great deliverance minister. How could she say she has never done this? She has never prayed. Not the talk of praying for the father. She has never prayed for the father. I said, this is a divine instruction. If you don't do it, then be ready to bury your mother. Is that what you want? She said, no. I said, but you must. And she said, okay, what if, if I call, what happens? I said, then nobody will die. But she was like, no, I can't. How can I pick up call and say, hey, let's pray. This is, I can't do it. This is, I said, okay. Now for you to know, even if you call and pray, it will still happen, but it will not be unto death. But you will see the effect of it. Near death attack, spiritual attack. And it's only prayer will reverse it. And that prayer must come from your household. She was like, really? Is that serious? But because she has seen and she believes, she has seen, God has spoken, revealed hidden things to her, so she knows that when this man says, thou says the Lord, I'm not saying tongue says the Lord. I don't just call her or tell her. I've never I said God said, except I see and I tell her. And that moment she knew that this must be serious. And a few days later, she called me on that Tuesday. Let me just make it to be a Tuesday. She called me and said, You can't believe I must that courage. And I called my father and I said, Let us pray. And he was very attentive and I began to pray. She was so proud of herself that she prayed. And as she was telling me this, I began to cry. I was crying because devil had been defeated at that moment. I was crying because God's name had been lifted up so high, but she didn't know what she did, because she had saved a soul and saved the anger of God from visiting the household. Why did I call it anger of God? Devil cannot kill. Devil cannot kill without petitioning you. And for devil to petition you, God must approve it. The Bible says, when the sons of men were gathered, sons of God were gathered, devil was malingering. Devil, he was rubbing around and God said, Devil, why are you robbing around? Haven't you seen my faithful servant, Joe? Devil replied, because you have given him everything, why wouldn't he worship you? There was a petition. Joe did not know that there was a petition against him by the devil. No one in the Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren. Listen. Pastors, if you are preaching this gospel, make sure you are on the Lord's side. And make sure there is a commitment from heaven over your life. Because for me, if there was not, I wouldn't be doing this. If there was not a commitment on both sides, I will not be doing this. Because devil accuses and God is a righteous judge. God is just and compassionate, so he is he is a right of God. So whenever devil comes and says, your servant has cheated on the wife, your servant has stolen from the church, your servant has diverted the money meant for the church, your servant has slept with a prostitute, your servant has slept with a church member, devil will bring all his accusation before God and it's a petition and God will say, devil, you are right, I'm sorry to say this, and justice will be served. The devil has no right to kill without God's permission. So nothing happens without your father approving of it. God said, go after Job and do not touch the heart of Job because you have no right to go after his house. Many pastors have exposed their families to danger. This young lady prayed. Then on Thursday, all of a sudden, the evil attack came upon the mob seriously, that everybody panicked. Everybody thought she was there and they were looking for father. Father wasn't around. They were calling him nowhere to reach and they were calling. But the siblings under the anointing prayed, prayed, and God heard them. It still came to pass. The devil was defeated. It wasn't unto death. God says this will come to pass for them to believe that this was the Lord speaking. But devil, you are not going to touch the house. How many times have you exposed your family to danger? Eli exposed the family to danger. Eli was busy serving God. Serving God without protecting his family, without inculcating discipline in his family. And the children of Eli, because they are high priest children, they were like president's sons. They were misbehaving, raping worshippers of God. Stealing from them, tithes and offering, robbing them. That's why when the Bible says in Malachi 3, it was referring to this. He says, You said, how, how can we rob God? He said, Through tithes and offering. Because they robbed God through tithes and offering. When you read to Samuel from 2, 3, 4, you will hear this message. God listed his anger. And God did not speak to Eli because the word of God was right. Immorality, sin, iniquity. Was so evident that God could not speak. The, the, God had departed because the act of God signifies the presence of God. But at that moment, they were just seeing an empty box, not knowing that the glory of God had departed from them. They thought God was still with them, but God had departed from them. So God was looking for somebody to speak. God did not go through her He did not go through her God went through Samuel, a little boy, that knew nothing about God. When Samuel heard the voice, Samuel was thinking, this voice sounds like Eli's. He went to Eli. Master, did you come? He said no. Second time, Master, did you come? He said no. Third time he went, Eli said, when the voice comes back to you, say, it's God speaking? Tell the voice to speak that your servant hear it. This is what God expected Eli to teach the children. Sometimes pastors are so good in teaching strangers, teaching the congregation, teaching the congregants, that they don't spend time to teach their children. The Bible says, train a child the way he should grow, that when he grows up, he will not depart from it. But we, we spend so much time, speaking of prosperity, trying to raise money to buy beautiful cars, luxury cars, trying to build beautiful houses, we have beautiful clothes, expensive jewelries and stuff, but we don't spend time to pray that the grace of God will not depart from our family. Samuel went back and he heard, and God spoke to him. And Eli, knowing that God has spoken, he said, Samuel, tell me everything. And God told him. And Samuel told him exactly. God was angry at the children. Eli did not say, but he committed iniquity where he neglected his family, where he did not protect his family, where he did not preach to the family first. I preached to myself before coming to preach to you. I preach, I repent every day. Repentance does not mean that you are a sinner. No, 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 no. Paul says that he died day. I receive Jesus every day. Every day I receive Jesus in my life. I welcome the Holy Spirit every day in my life. He failed to do this, and the children were stealing, buying luxury cars. You see, children, they have no job, but they have the best cars. How can a pastor's child that is still in school driving a car? How can a pastor's child that is not working driving a car? How can a pastor's child that is not working on a house? How can a pastor's child that has no source of income living large? How can a pastor's child, if not, that you are robbing God, stealing from God? That's what two sons of Eli, Hoffina and Phinehas, were doing. And God's anger was so much upon them. And God needed somebody to convey the message. And he spoke through little Samuel. You can imagine speaking to a little child. God spoke through Samuel. That was when God was speaking to me. I remember God said, hey, call this your friend, this pastor friend. And tell him my anger is about to rest upon his household. I said, Father, how will he receive it? He will cut me off. He will stop talking. God says, do it. And if I had failed to do it, imagine what would have happened to me. I said, well, I'm so sorry. I might lose this friendship, but I have to do it just to save his soul. Now, the Philistines attacked the Israelites. And see, whenever the Israelites were in battle, and the ark of God shows up, it means victory. Now, this time around, the Philistines came and attacked the Israelites And they were winning, defeating the Israelites. And Eli heard that the Philistines were winning. Eli said, okay, send the Ark of God to the camp that we may win this war. So Eli sent his two sons, Hophina and Phinehas, and said, hey, you take the Ark of God, go to the camp. And the moment Hophina and Phinehas arrived at the camp with the Ark of God, the Israelites began to jubilate because at that moment they felt the presence of God was with them. And the Philistines, hearing the, hearing the voice of the Israelites, they said, What is happening? These people that we have killed thousands of their soldiers, where are they humiliated? The Philistines said, Because the Lord of the Israelites, the God of Israelites, is in the camp. They began to panic because they knew the effects of, of Jehovah God. But at that moment, they did not understand that the glory of God had departed. That which activates you. Many pastors are acting on the gifts. God is the only employer that will fire you as they allow you to enjoy the privileges. God is the only one that will fire you when he rusticated Samson. He still allowed him to enjoy the privileges, even though he had been rusticated. God allowed him to enjoy it. That is the God I serve. So merciful, abundant in grace. No wonder the Bible says the gift of God is without repentance. When God gives it to you, it's irrevocable. He will not take it back. It's the gift, So he will let you function under the gift. Many pastors are functioning under the gift, but they have lost the glory of God that activates the gift of God. At that moment, they went to war The ark of God was there. The Philistines says, no. Let's go and witness this ourselves. And they went to the camp. And the ark of God was captured. First time the ark of God was captured. How dare you capture the ark of God? But for the first time, it was captured. The, the boss of covenants was captured. And the two sons of Eli were killed.